News Radio 610 KONA. Welcome into the locker room for your Saturday morning. Brought to you by the Crazy Moose Casino, Coyote Bob's Roadhouse Casino, Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance. Billy Rob, Jason with you. How was your week, man? Wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, it, uh, the weather kind of teased us getting into the 90s last weekend for Mother's Day, and then it decided to rain and get overcast again. So um, I wish it would have stayed nice. You know, But other than that, it wasn't a bad week. We're in that stretch run in... The, the the part of the calendar where the NBA playoffs are winding down, the NHL playoffs are winding down, baseball is getting ready for its draft, which then, of course, uh, we will see baseball here in town when the Dust Devils get their players. I believe their first game is slated for the 14th of June. Uh, so they will get their allotment from the San Diego Padres. They'll begin playing baseball here in the next month, and then... Uh, after the Major League Baseball draft is completed. But but we're getting down to that point to where it's just going to be baseball for a while. And, um, you know, some people kind of tune off and tune out when that comes, those that aren't the big baseball fans. For those of us that are big baseball fans, this is that time of the year that we focus on one sport. We don't have the distractions of, of the other sports that are out there. We focus on one sport until OTAs. And then for some, they move to the OTAs. For others, they, they go all the way through the World Series before they switch over to uh, to the NFL full-time. But um, there's something that all three of those, and when I say three, I mean mentioning the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and Major League Baseball, have uh, had in common, and it's been discussed recently, and that is officiating. The minor leagues are experimenting with an automatic strike zone. The NHL has had a real issue this postseason with officiating. Um, Not just simply a mistake, but glaring misses of things that should have been seen, called, and directly affected not just the outcome of a game, but the outcome of a series on two occasions. Then, you know, the NBA's had their issues in the postseason. The NBA seems to have their issues every postseason with officiating. Um, the the base baseball's move to do the automatic strike zone. It's been talked about for a while, but now they're actually moving forward with it in the minor league level. And there's been this push over the last few years to take the human element out of the game for a myriad of reasons. But is it really the right way to go? Do we really need to take the human element out of the game? Because if we do, then what's the next step? This is one of those things that's really, really difficult. And it's going to be really hard for these um sports organizations to make these changes because with with high definition TV and the more and more interest in replays in YouTube and all this stuff that's happening you can access all these mistakes now where before you kind of quote unquote lived with it and you dealt with it because you knew hey if we we get you know if we get hosed on this call we get hosed on another one 
So if you ask me, I don't think it's any worse than it, than it has been in the past, and there's a lot of numbers to back that up. But we now have technology that enhances these mistakes. Look at baseball, for example. When you watch your team play anymore, depending on which broadcast you're watching, um, you know the Mariners don't show every pitch on their broadcast. I'm a Kansas City Royal fan, so I watch the Royal Broadcast. Every single pitch, they have that K-zone or whatever you want to call right. it, right? So you know every pitch if the, if the umpire was right or wrong. And 90% of the time, on average, they are correct. But on the ones that they are not correct have huge implications on the game. Well, huge implications on the game. But let's qualify and I think, one thing, I think too. that might be the only one that you could— because a lot of the other calls that you're talking about in the NHL and the NBA and even to the NFL, because the NFL is talking about some reviewing stuff. Oh, yeah. They're extremely subjective. What's a charge well, call? What's not? No, I, I, I remember second. when I was in—you I, 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 know, I played basketball growing up. Right. I remember in a game, I'm guarding a guy. I was, you know, I'm a tall guy, so I was guarding the post. This guy starts slamming into me, and I'm taking it to the chest, but he's smaller than me, so it's not enough to knock me over. And he just keeps slamming into me, slamming into me, slamming into me, three or four dribbles of slamming into me. They were actually charges. And we see this all the time in every game where somebody backs into him and slams into a defender. And then the guy finally went up and scored, and I looked at the official, and I said, hey, he can't do that. And he goes, well, if he hits you hard enough, fall down. So right, so that, so that flopping and the, uh, it's kind of what you have to do to get the call anymore, right? But again, it's all subjective. The NBA, most of this stuff is is subjective, and most of the NBA and the NHL, their issues aren't the calls that are made; it's the non calls. It's the calls they don't make. Well, that's the, and, but, but, but that's it, and, the, and and it's been so glaring with the ones that they haven't made. I mean, look, a hand pass in the in the NHL is a hand pass. It's very obvious. It's very easy to tell. You can't hand pass to another player and then score a goal. Well, that's what happened with with the San Jose Sharks so, game. You, you've got four. Right. To, you've got four guys on the ice, and all four of them miss this. I mean that's the problem, and so that's why you're hearing so during more the game, and more well, of this this outcry. Well, and during the game, and, th- and this is where I, I I want fans to kind of think about this. If that happens, if there's somebody in a video box watching all this stuff, and they're catching things after the fact, and catching these misses, the flow of these games is going to drastically change. Because you're going to have more calls. You're going to have more breaks. Because the officials right now are kind of darned if they do, darned if they don't. Sure. Anytime Anybody that's a college basketball fan in the last five to seven years hates regular season college basketball because they call everything. These college basketball games are taking two and a half hours, and there's 25, 30 foul calls per half. They're always on the free throw line because they're calling everything. Then we get to March Madness, and they quit calling everything, and bas- college basketball's fun again, and we're like, oh, yeah, we like this. Why didn't we watch all year? Because they're calling fouls every minute and a half in, during the regular season. So do you want a game where the officials are calling everything, or do you want them to, quote-unquote, let them play, which is what m- most fans call for, until it's their team that, didn't, that, that gets fouled on the you, let them play? You, you know what I want? I want to roll back the clock to the 80s and let them play like that. That's what I want to do. 
That's what I would love to see. Just, you know what? Here's why you're there, Mr. Official. Offsides, encroachment, holding, everything else, let it go. Let, let them play. They're big boys. But I want to back up to baseball again real quick because the, the one thing that you mentioned about when they miss, it's huge. A lot of times when you have those strike zone misses, they're not by that much. It's, 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 you know, some officials like the late, I don't know if you remember the late Eric Gregg. Late Eric Gregg had a strike zone as big as himself. Uh, Eric, Eric never saw a strike he didn't like to call because he liked he liked the quick moving game, <laughs> and so he guys used to get up and they used, used to swing because it didn't matter if they did he was going to call a strike. Uh, he had one of the most varied strike zones you would have ever seen from an umpire. Um, but today they're a lot more uniform. Umpires are a lot more uniform with their strike zones today than they used to be. I mean, Joe West had a strike zone that, that, that could they could move from side to side. All you have to do is go go back and watch some of the games in the early '90s, and you could see where uh, where an umpire's strike zone was from game to game. Well, and and Boston University um, did a study. They went back over the last eleven seasons, which is kind of when a Major League Baseball put these um, robo umpire checker things in and they published an published this article in um in april 2019 so just just recently right and they showed that in 2018 umpires missed 34,000 ball strike calls 34,000 throughout the season and not only that they found that there's a two strike bias for the pitchers so they, especially it, it, your but, star pitchers correct so back in 2008, on... Um, 2008? 2018? No, I'm going to go back to 2008 Okay. Here. 36.6% of the time, they called, with two strikes, they called an incorrect ball or strike. It's come down in 2018 to 21.45. So the, the computers have worked, right? It's, it's come back 15%. They're getting it more accurate. Right. But what hasn't changed is the discrepancy in which... It's called a third strike incorrectly versus it's called a ball incorrectly. In 2018, and I apologize for throwing all these numbers at you, but and you can look up the article, um, 90, oh, no, just under 9,800 called third strikes were wrong. 2,100 balls on a two-strike count were called incorrectly. So it's massively in favor of the pitcher. Massively, because yeah. probably this is human nature, right? As an umpire, you you want to call that third strike, right? Because that's your moment in the sun when you can do whatever Steve animation Rose, yeah. you're going to be doing. Um, you do can your, your do your Enrico Palazzo behind yeah, the, behind yeah. the uh, plate. <laughs> still, um, still, arguably the greatest baseball segment in all of movie history. Um, but and people don't consider that a baseball movie. There's like twenty minutes of twenty thirty minutes yeah, of baseball. There was, but. Uh, um, and another interesting thing from this one to kind of stick on this is, and this makes total sense from a biological standpoint, right? Because, you know, and more, normally we think more experience, more experience is better. Actually, the younger umpires get it correct more. Well, sure. Because they're, 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 they're in better shape. They're working for tenure. Right. Well, <laughs> well not just that. They're in better shape. Their eyesight's so better. Their eyesight's better. They can actually get through a game at 100 degrees in the middle of Florida. On a July hot day, better. They don't. They don't actually get worse as the game goes on. The younger guys that are in their 
mid-30s and below were the top 10, and they were all less than um, 10% incorrect, which is really, really good. Whereas the, the older guys that were in their 50s and 60s were all about 13 to 15% wrong. That's, that's a big difference. Well, that's a, big a very difference. big difference. Still, it's and I've, those guys, because they're tenured, they're behind the plate way more than the other guys. Yeah, but them being 13 to 15% off is a lot better than I would be. Well, think about this, though. Um, the mo- of, guy- of the younger guys, um, there was an umpire who's 33 years old. He, he made 24,000 ball strike calls last year and got 9.66% wrong. So that's less than 240. Right, right. So you've got um, the older guys, on average, are, are all above 40,000 calls. So they're doubling the number of pitches. So they're way behind right. the plate, way more. So, the, so they're making way worse calls. I think there might be a change to go to these robo-umpires because of how much it affects the game. But... When you do it there, when you do it in one, you know the others are going to look for a way to follow suit. The Locker Room, News Radio 610 KOA. Back with more to this. News Radio 610 KOA is the Locker Room. Thanks to Jason Hogan and American Family Insurance, Coyote Bob Shortest Casino, Crazy Moose Casino, 547-1610. You want to get involved, Billy Rob, Jason. Talking about the push to go automated with officiating. And, you know, while baseball may be able to swing it with balls and strikes... You know other sports are going to want to follow suit at some point. They're going to want to figure out how. And in all reality, baseball, all they have to do is set up sensors at different parts of the ballpark, and they can do away with officials altogether. You can set up sensors in the base on the bases. You can set up sensors down the field lines for foul balls. You wouldn't need an umpire at all in baseball. You could take them out of the game completely. And then where do you go from there? Yeah, I, I think that um, with baseball, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think in order to do that, you're going to have to um, have put sensors in the balls and you know, to keep the pace of play and the rate of play going. I think the umpires are fine. If you want to make the argument that we don't need umpires in behind the plate or we need them to be behind the plate and they get the ball or strike you know, notification from the computer system, I understand that. But really, the foul balls and all that stuff, we've got a replay system that's in. The cameras, I think, is going to be just as good as, the, as that system. I don't necessarily know that we need it there. And I don't see how the uh, – because I think most of the time, umpires get it correct on stolen bases, on slides into play, into bases. Um, and so they can make the calls right then, right there, so the game can keep moving. Versus if we had to go to a replay every time a camera, every time somebody stole a base – that can get very cumbersome. Sure. I hear you. Go to the phones. You're up in the locker room. News Radio 610 KOA. What's on your mind? You're up. Let's try that again. You're up in the locker room. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Jared. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, so the problem with the sensor in a baseball, though, is, 
you know, a lot of the times they put the sen- sensor in the center of the ball, and the edge of the ball is the line, and that's where the umpire's eye sees it. You know, if the umpire's eye sees it, the edge of the ball hit that line, then that the the baseballs are going to get ridiculously expensive when you have to censor the entire outside of the ball. <laughs> That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah. You're absolutely right. Well, Thanks they for the call, that, They're not just going to start giving away baseballs to everybody like now after every foul ball or every ball that goes in the dirt. It's, hey, oh, here, yeah. you go. here you go, kid. Here, have a ball. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a great point. So I don't know that we need it. I mean, the strike zone doesn't use any kind of sensors. It's, no, it does It's all cameras. Yeah. Um, and I think there's ways that, that sports can. I, but I don't can, think you need the sensors for the baseball. I don't think you would need to censor the baseball because you set up you, you set up things on the foul lines. You have it in the bases themselves that will detect whether or not someone is safe or, or swinging through the glove. You'd how are they going to know that? How, how, is, how is the base going to be able to see the tag? It, you're gonna have you're gonna have a sensor in the base. In, in the yeah, gonna, I yeah, get, gonna I be get able, how, so you're gonna be able to see what's no, no, coming okay. first, the foot I, or the bag or the foot of the glove. So if if somebody gets tagged in the head. How the heck is the base going to see that? Because it's going to see whether the glove came down first or if the hand came in first. If the glove swipes down in front of the sensor, you know. Why would you have the glove down in the sensor if you're tagging high? Well, maybe you are tagging high. But how's. Either way, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I think think right now, the the field stuff is okay with the way we're doing it. Where the argument. Yeah, until your guy gets called out when he was safe. But we, we, have, we have a replay system for that. So they'll, they'll, they'll challenge, they'll fix it. So the way it's set up now with the umpires in the field, keep things moving. If something's egregious, we go to the, we go to the replay to, to get, it, get it squared and, away. And, and baseball but the, hasn't but the balls abused and strikes, replay yet. They haven't. But the, and the, but the balls and strikes, I mean, everybody that watches baseball has been sitting there, and it's a, you know, runners at first and third, two out, three, two count, throw the breaking ball, it drops below the strike zone, even though it's a ball. Strike three. Your team now can't keep this rally going because the umpire made a bad call. Yeah, but the and umpire then you end up losing it. five to you know you end up losing five to four. I can make the argument that this, and, and as we see it, it's drastically slanted to the pitcher. We, we've got the stats right here in that Boston University. You're article. right, but you know what? You know what? You're not. You know what? Not to be is is it being taken into consideration with those statistics? One of the great arts of the game of baseball, framing. How many pitches? So deception, fakery, flopping, right? It's you, part of the game, flopping. Man. Even the, how many irony, how many irony in his face. Where the, oh, I've had conversations with this guy. How many pitches about how the soccer? They're just flopping in soccer. Well, it's and soccer. they're flopping around, it's and you soccer. make fun of basketball. It's, it's fl- soccer. So it's framing soccer. is nothing more than flopping. It's, it's making something look it's soccer. Good. Okay. It's not. It's soccer. Let's not even compare it to a real sport. It's soccer. All right. You, you, I, I love framing, and I, I'm not trying to. But, but it's what I'm deception. saying is, frame. But framing is an art. And how many times has a catcher been able to frame a baseball, get an umpire to take a to hesitate for a second and go, did it? You're out and punch is, him. Okay, so is that is fair to the batter? Yet? Is that fair to the batter? Maybe should have swung. No, I mean, he shouldn't I, have because we we just know it wasn't a strike. 
Put it this way. If it's close enough that you can get away with it, we're not talking about using an emery board. We're not talking about spitting on the ball. We're not talking about doctoring anything. We're talking about calling a ball a strike. I understand that. And it's called the human element of the game, which is a beautiful thing. Only if you're the guy whose team is pitching. If you're the guy whose team or gal whose team is hitting. You do realize your team had one of the greatest framers of all time in John Wathen. I understand that. Okay, so but what I'm saying is we. But but I I I am totally aware, and when I look at my calendar and when I look at anything that shows me what day and time it is, that we're in 2019. I yeah. Okay. I don't like to look back to 1982. But what I'm trying to go, say to you is, man, what we trying, have the technology. Why not but, use it to but, get the call right? But Isn't here's that the, the goal? Thing. There are too many things that you remove from the game. You can't play like, baseball anymore. You wouldn't be able to frame a baseball. My name is Philly Rob, and I believe in wrong calls. You wouldn't be able to frame a baseball I believe in getting the call wrong. No, it's not believing the call wrong. If the catcher does a good job framing, I believe in the call should be wrong. If the catcher can do a good job of framing, guess what? That's what it is. It's part of the game. Awful. Awful. It's part of the game. It's absolutely part of the game. You want to talk talk about drag bunting during a no-hitter while we're at it? Well, that's that's there's no rule do, on that. Do, do you want to talk there about is a rule about rules? what the, you want to talk the, about the unwritten rules of baseball while we're at it? No, I'm talking about written rules. Well, then, it's a written Balls rule. You, if you can it's frame written. the baseball and get away with it, it's a written rule. You got the strike. Back with more locker room news radio six ten K after this. Brought to you by County Bob's Roadhouse Casino. Jason Hogan's with American Family Insurance. Crazy Loose and Pasco. Billy Rob, Jason with you. 547 You want to jump in on the conversation. Um, Stanley Cup Finals are going to get underway. NBA Finals are about there. Getting pretty close there. PGA Championship this weekend. Tiger did not make the cut after winning the Masters. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, if, for those of people that follow golf, this is not surprising. Um, Tiger did yeah. not play any tune-up events. He took the whole time off. I, I think he's where he's focused. His focus is the U.S. Open, um, which is at Pebble Beach in his backyard. So for those of us that follow golf, this is not a huge surprise. Look, Tiger did not play well. Uh, you know, and, and after he won the Masters, he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Why, I have no idea, but... I, I I really don't. Um, maybe it's just me that I can't figure out why. Um, I mean, Elon had better aim with a nine iron. Maybe she should have gotten it. I I mean, I'm sorry. I I just don't. I don't see. You don't think it had anything to do with the uh, fact that he golfs with the president on a regular basis? Yeah, and, and maybe that, that when Tiger was doing well, the go- business of golf was doing well. When the and the president <sighs> happens to have a huge stake in golf courses, when Tyler wasn't doing well, porn stars were doing well. Yeah, I, I mean, whatever. I, I, I mean, I I, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't see what Tiger Woods has done to deserve the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I don't. I, I, I don't see anything at all, at all, to where he deserved that. 
You're up in the locker room, News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, it's Louie in Walla Walla. What's up, Louie? On the, uh, on the uh, uh, replay and uh, all that, uh-huh. uh, I... I guess there's always should be a human element in there, but I think the biggest driver on all this is the proliferation of the sports gambling and everything so so close to to you know people are actually making and losing money off the stuff now uh, the other thing I guess your guys' opinion what is the what is the goal of replay? Thanks for the call, Louie. appreciate it okay. the, the goal of re, the goal of replay is to get it right. To make sure the framing was good, right? The framing right, was good. Absolutely, to make sure the, the framing, framing was appropriate. The the reason the, 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 <laughs> the, the whole point of replay is to make sure that you call pass interference on the Rams <laughs> when, when you mug the Saints wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, that's supposed well, to be. The, but but what I what the, the point of replay is to correct the call. Yeah, that is the point of replay. Well, and Willie, to your point, I think you're correct that this gambling thing is driving a lot of it as well. Oh, no, I, I think there's definitely something to that. You're up in the locker room, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Louie again. Real quick, back yeah. on, if the goal of replay is to get it all right, then why, then, then in theory, they should be able to replay everything, and these games will take five, six hours. Because it, I, I've always said that if, if the goal of replay is to get it right, you shouldn't limit it. Well, hang on a second, Louie. You got to replay at all, Louie. You got to keep so, something in mind here. You're you're forgetting the most important thing. Okay, the goal is to get it right, but not at the expense of completely red assing the umpires. You're not supposed to embarrass them to the end of time. So that's why you have limited replay in every sport, so that you don't completely totally embarrass every official. Yes, and to your and to your point, Louie, the, the ultimately all of these sports, they're a TV show. They're an oh, entertainment absolutely. TV show. And if you don't want, nobody wants to sit down and watch their half-hour sitcom take three or four hours because they keep messing up the lines. This is why they edit them and they condense them and they make them short. So there, there's they, these teams can they can find a balance between keeping the game moving and on some important calls going to the booth or going to a censor or whatever the things you're talking about. And I think that's oh, that's the, the balance that they're going to have to make. And the thing that drives me nuts is that, that in the in basketball especially. They, they they go to the monitor uh, uh, every other play in pro and and in uh, college basketball, and the the things the last half out the last five minutes or two minutes of the game takes you forty five minutes. Yeah, and, and that's only on like ball out of bounds plays. That's not even right. the charge the charge calls or the reaching calls or the block foul. I mean, just that alone combined with the free throws, I get it a hundred percent. And again, they're still subjective. They're, those Absolutely. those things are still subjective. How many times do you see a big athlete like a LeBron James or someone like that or Shaq back when he played uh, maul through everybody? He gets beat to hell, but they never call anything because they're big and strong. But yet you watch well, Steph Curry or well, James they, Harden they, fly they, through they, the lane and they get bumped on their hip a little bit, and of course it's a foul and and and, and one. So well, but the NBA is you know it, it's sports entertain, entertainment almost anymore so yes but anyway well great show guys thanks thanks for the call Thank we you, appreciate Louis. it five four seven one six ten if you want to get involved um but i want to go back to the point with the sports gambling um you're going to see more and more states legalizing this and not only that 
to, not to interrupt your point, but the, the other piece of this is all of the sports leagues, they're kind of for it because they want to cut. Well, sure. And and, so, couple, and baseball and, and, and Major League Baseball and the NFL have already been getting a piece of the pie because one is in a co-owner of FanDuel and the other is a co-owner of the other online DraftKings. Uh, Draft so they're already getting a piece of this. The goal, you know, if you're going to move in this direction to try and see, to me, moving away from the human element doesn't help the gambling entity. It helps the gambler. Well, no, it helps the uh, it doesn't help, it doesn't help it. the house. Well, it, it helps the gambler. Well, it helps the gambler keep gambling because if you think it's rigged and you think the NBA officials are calling things they shouldn't, or you think the balls and strikes are rigged in the, in in favor of the pitcher, then you may not gamble. You may not partake because you think it's not fair. If it's a computer doing it or a sensor or something that is um, that we view can't be wrong, you might be more likely to say, "Hey, well, I don't have to worry about the officials in this one." Look, we have seen we have seen times where bad calls have cost the house. Okay, it hasn't happened frequently, but we have seen times where the where, where bad calls have cost the house. More often than not, the bad call costs the gambler. And the human element of it, if you take that away, say you go to that strike zone, I would be interested to see what impact it has on baseball betting. And if the and if if things shift as far as the gambler winds up actually gaining any ground on the house. I think what you're going to see is is for a probably a half a season, some of the pitchers that are considered really good, their numbers are going to come back to the pack a little bit because they're not getting the calls. Some of the hitters that aren't as good might actually take a couple more walks because those borderline calls that they're not getting because they're a first- or second-year player or because nobody's heard of them and they're facing Max Serger – they might get those calls. I think you're going to see a resort to the mean on both ends, but after half a season and we know what's what's what, I think I think it'll, the gambling will even itself out because we know that the balls are going to be called strikes. Everybody's stats because baseball is such a statistical game that we will know what all the it'll write itself by half a season. We'll know kind of what those stats look like. So there will be an adjustment period. And maybe the pros at that time will just, you know, hey, we're going to take it off, see how these people do with the new thing. Um, but to, for the integrity of the game, you definitely, if they're going to be involved in gambling and take a cut of this to, to, to keep the integrity going of the gambling, um, to Louis' point, they have to make sure they get this stuff right. But it's still not going to be completely right. And it will never be completely right. It'll right never because, be completely right. Well, and baseball, more than any other sport, has the ability to get. Darn near everything close, right. yes. Because there's very few subjective calls in a baseball game, um, especially now with replay added. Correct in the way that we have it, basketball and football. There's so much sub- subjectivity to to baseball. I'm sorry, to basketball and to hockey and to um, and to football. I don't think it's ever going to be able to happen in those sports the way it can in baseball. Take a quick time out. Our final one of the morning. Five four seven one six ten. You have any final thoughts? Locker room news radio six ten K O N A. 
Major League Baseball drafts around the corner. Of course, it usually happens after the NHL Finals, NBA Finals are done. Dust Devils will be in action soon. Out of Kisa Stadium, doing some improvements out there right now. Some LED lights, replacing some seats to get things ready for the 2019 season for the San Diego Padres affiliate. Back with more for this. Saturday morning, Locker Room News Radio 610-KONA, brought to you by Jason Hogan with American Family Insurance, Coyote Bob's Roadhouse Casino, Crazy Loose Casino, Billy Rob, Jason with you. So, we're not, well, I mean, it's always NFL season, I guess, if you really want to think about it. The NFL has done a fantastic job at making something every month for fans to look at, get involved in. You've had the, the rookie OTAs, um, you know, this month you've got the, the the second part of the free agency period that's going to be coming up here. Um, want to ask you, want to get your your thoughts on this because everything I've seen over the last couple of days, and 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 because now the 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 class from a couple of years ago, it's getting to the point where they got to pick their options up. We're talking Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Guys from the draft class a couple of years ago, right? Goff has been to the postseason twice. Wentz has been to the postseason twice as a Super Bowl ring, but didn't wasn't behind center for both the postseason runs. He's had a durability question. His fifth year option has been picked up. It's going to be somewhere between twenty three and twenty five million. Now they're talking about an extension that could be the words they're using, and I'm going to see if I can actually see any numbers. But all I keep hearing and seeing is mega deal. Now, I am one of those people that believes that you do have to earn it to a degree. Um, that if you're going to turn around and you're going to hook up a quarterback who has been in the league for three years, um, that has only that hasn't played a full season yet, be it due to injury or uh, anything else, you're not a $30 million guy. I mean, if we're going to start doing that and paying on potential, we may as well go back to the old way of the draft when Sam Bradford's getting a $68 million guaranteed bonus for nothing. Um, you know, some of the numbers that are being thrown around, $32 million a year, $90 million in guarantees, $75 million at signing. It's a lot of money for, you know, and again, you look at golf. Golf's going to be looking at a contract like that. And then you're going to wind up resetting the entire thing. Now, if these guys are expecting the NFL salary cap's going to be going up $10 million a year, okay, you can absorb this. But this kind of money for a third-year player that hasn't won anything and hasn't stayed healthy enough to win anything you're, you're talking this is a huge risk-reward situation for a team that, that you look at their roster and they're in a position to win over the next few years if they get this one right. If you get this one wrong, you can throw all that out the back door. Unfortunately for a lot of teams, um, 
you have to get the quarterback. I mean, they don't have to, but the chances of winning a Super Bowl are exponentially better if you have a franchise Hall of Fame type quarterback. Okay, if you go back all the way to 1992, the only non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks or guys that probably aren't going to be in the Hall of Fame that have won Super Bowl Super Bowl are Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles. That's it. And Nick Foles didn't make it through a whole regular season. No. That would have been Carson Wentz who did that, who's kind of in – I wouldn't say he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's on that trajectory that if he keeps going the way he's going and stays healthy, he's got a shot. Right. But that's it. So we went back to 1992, 20-plus years, and we came up with, what, four quarterbacks that were not elite level, Hall of Fame level. There's a lot of people that will make the argument that Eli Manning wasn't that guy, but Eli's going to the Hall of Fame. He was a Pro Bowl quarterback. When, but, I, I would hold off on Eli in the Hall of Fame just yet. Um, but he might be the only one that's not on that trajectory. But Drew Brees, He's Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, those guys are not there yet. They're they're headed there. Well, um, they're headed there. They're I, headed I, headed headed to camp. Russell Wilson still has some time so, to determine whether he's right. going to get in. So or to not. get, but even still, those the, are the only two I would say are are questionable just because of where they are in their careers as Manning and and Wilson. Right. If they stay on the same trajectory, I think Eli's there. He's won two Super Bowls. I think that Russell's on a trajectory. He's going to. I think he's going to get there. Um. Nick Foles, the jury's still out. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think gonna he's going to go, there. but no. No. If, if, he, if he goes on a run with his new team this year, Nick, but... Nick Foles is not going the, to the Hall The point is, is that you have to have that guy in place. I, I grew up a Chief fan. We never, never, never had a quarterback. Chiefs won more games in the Money 90s. Dawson, well, he's the only one. That's our only Super Bowl. I know. But if you go back, the 90s, the Chiefs were had the best record, I believe, or second best, maybe to the Cowboys, of any team in that decade. No Elvis? The quarterbacks we had were former Seahawk great Dave Craig. Yeah, um, we had uh, uh, we did have Joe Montana in the early part before he he got hurt. Yeah, um, but you had Dave Craig. You had like four, another Forty Nine er to reject Steve Bono, Elvis Skurbach. Basically, the quarterbacks were awful. Defenses are great. Quarterbacks were awful. We could not get past the first round of the playoffs. Fast forward now to to, to present to present day, the Chiefs year one with a a really good elite level quarterback they're they're up a, a, a offside penalty away from going to the Super Bowl and probably winning it if D Ford does not jump off line up he lined up offsides he didn't jump offsides he lined up offsides without that play there's an interception on that play the Chiefs probably go to the Super Bowl and win it that's the difference between before they had Alex Smith who's a good quarterback spend a couple of pro Bowls the Chiefs couldn't get past the first round of the playoffs with that quarterback, you need that guy with that arm. So to your point with these contracts, step one to being a great team is a good quarterback. The going rate for good quarterbacks are 25 to $30 million right now. That's what you're going to need. That's the market rate. If you want a Mercedes, you can't spend twenty grand to get a Mercedes, a brand new one. You have to go out and spend sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars to get a new one. That's what the going rate is. So can you get from point A to point B um, without that super fast car? Sure. But you need to do you need to be a lot better in other places. You need to be great on defense 
have really good skill position, be great up front and offensive line to make up for that quarterback, and you still may not do it. And I hear what you're saying. The question is, is three years enough to determine? I think with, with you know Achilles Smith, three years was enough to determine. With Tim Couch, three years was enough to determine. Do you have enough on Carson Wentz in three years to be able to justify $32 million? Do you have enough on Jared Goff in three years? I mean, Goff had a great season the other year. Took a little bit of a step back this past year. He was good, but he wasn't as good as he was if you ask the me, other year. If you ask me, would I pay those guys $30 million? Wentz, maybe, if he can stay healthy this year. If and he that's can't, it, If this he year. can't stay healthy, I would probably pay him a base of 20-ish, but with some incentives if he plays and can get through the seasons, pushing at that level. Golf, kind of like what the 49ers did with Kaepernick. It was a very incentive-based thing. They could get out of it after a couple of years, but it had some guarantees in it. I would do something like that for Golf as well, because he's only had really one-and-a-half good seasons. Yeah. His first season was really bad. Now, His he, first season That was does have awful. a Jeff Fisher asterisk next to it. Well, they also didn't, but, have, they just didn't, have, they didn't have much around him. I mean, they well, they've out, got a very good offensive coach, him. but yeah. this is where you lean on your coach. If, if Sean McVay is the offensive guru that people think he is, is it Sean McVay or is it the, like Andy Reid, who coaches the Chiefs, who I'm a fan of, and you know this because you were a Philly fan. Every quarterback that played for Andy Reid did pretty good for the most part until right at the very end um, that last season. But how many Last times? Couple. How many times did an AJ Feely or oh Kevin Cobb, yeah, Kevin, a backup quarterback come in and play really good for three games because Andy Reid knew how to yeah. do that? So that's my question on golf: Is it McVay or is it golf? That's going to do it for the locker room news radio six ten K O N A. Hey, I want to let you know if you're out there on the roadways, there's a hay trailer fire on the Interstate eighty two eastbound before the one eighty two exchange right around milepost one oh one. So. If you're out there on 82 in that area, beware. Have a great rest of your week. Around the house with Eric G's next.